All right. Ha- uh, happy uh, Friday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Spark Your Fire. Uh, John here uh, with uh, my co-host and um, an a- a- amateur econ- economist, uh, Jazz and David. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you? Happy Friday, boys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Not sure how the economist term comes about. I'm certainly nowhere near <laughs> that term, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm just here to sit and learn. Let's put it that way <laughs> about this, how this wonderful world and amazing theory is coming out and try to work out. What's going to happen, really, you know, to, to our world? Because I think we're, we're right in the middle of something that's a big paradigm shift, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a very interesting episode um, uh, lined up for you today. We're, we're going to be discussing a that came out about two weeks ago called um, The Third Bretton Woods. And The Third Bretton Woods, uh, Jazz is going to talk to us about it, but it's based on a credit Swiss paper that talks about currencies and commodities. So we're going to, we're going to dig into that uh, today. And it is extremely relevant given everything that's happening in, in Russia and uh, Ukraine at the moment. So Russia being a big commodities producer and so on, all feeds into commodities. And, and it all feeds into politics, geopolitics and where the power is and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that between the three of us, gentlemen, we've got enough knowledge to be, uh, to be dangerous together. Uh, so we fill each other's gaps and we'll see, we'll see how we go. Mm. So... Bretton Woods number three. Um, now I'm going to throw it over to Jazz to give us a bit of a, a, a synopsis on on what the what what the topic is. Jazz, over to you, mate. Get us started. So just before I get started, disclaimer: uh, we are not experts in this space. We are learning as well um, as this whole this whole thing uh, landscape is evolving. Uh, so just a heads up. But Bretton Woods. Three. Just before we jump into Bretton Woods 3, Bretton Woods was formed somewhere in 1940s, Bretton Woods 1, to peg the dollar against gold, with dollar being the reserve currency and the backing of the gold. So that was our Bretton Woods systems 1 at the time. Down the line after 30, 40 years came was Bretton Woods 2, which... At, the, at that time, they decided to unpack dollar from the gold system and let dollar be a, a free monetary system of its own without backing of anything. Well, we say without backing of anything, but uh, according to the US or the world at the time, the reason they did it was because they called it <clears throat> they called it a dollar system backed by military, not by gold. So the new gold was the military system. Because they were the world power at the time, right? And now we are at a very interesting point of our life where we are seeing a lot of things evolving, which there are not many generations will be able to see. So we, you can call us lucky or unlucky, unlucky to some extent that we are seeing this system panning out right in front of our eyes where we are in the middle of a Bread and Woods 3 system or the reset or the global reset, which is what the day was forum talk about, or the fourth turning, which is what Neil Howard talks about in his book written in 1990s, right? So what is Bretton Woods 3? Currently, we have got a fiat system, which is a dollar-based system that is backed by nothing, unpegged from gold back in 1970s as a part of Bretton Woods 2. And uh, dollar being the reserve currency uh, has shaken up a few things over the period of time uh, in terms of uh, it's abuse. So the dollar system has been abused a lot 
to the favor of obviously US um, by applying sanctions, taking wars, all that stuff. The world is trying to sort of move away from this US sanction-based system, unnecessary punishments that always end up working in favor of US to some extent um, to a more neutral system. Now, what the neutral system is, is the interesting part. Before we dig into the neutral system, John, any thoughts so far with the Bretton Woods? So, so far, so good. I mean, there's, uh, yeah, Bretton, Bretton Woods 1 and 2. Uh, Bretton Woods 1, I think, was 1945. So end of the war when the powers got together and decided to knight USD. And then Bretton Woods 2 was 1971 where they detached it from gold, but they kept the US dollar as the as the link. So they, they continued to link everything to the US dollar, but previously the US dollar was linked to gold. And after 1971, that was no longer the case. The reason the reason for the 1971 change was that um, that uh, the US uh, the US was importing too many goods from Europe and they paid for it in gold under a gold system and the US was running out of gold. So it went from about 21,000 uh, tonnes down to 8,000 tonnes and have been there ever since. Um, the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd add to the um, to, to the final uh, the final kind of section is that um, it's not really backed by nothing. I mean, it's it's backed by the military, which you said quite rightly. I think it's also a quasi it's quasi backed by oil, um, which is which is unusual because most currencies are backed by by gold. Uh, but the US dollar is a trust based system backed sort of by um, its military and a bit by oil, but. The last decade or two, um, it has been weaponized. So it's what they call an inside system. It's an inside system. It's it's the the, the US dollar is the um, monetary system for the insiders. Mm-hmm. Look, I think the the original intention of the Bretton Woods system was quite good, right? Initially, when it when it got together, I think there were about like forty four countries met at this Bretton Woods in is it Hampton? New Hampshire. Sure, that's why it's called. Yeah, that's why it's called mm. the Bretton Woods Agreement or system as such. But the original, the original intention is to prevent the competitive devaluation of currencies and promoting the international economic growth. That's the original intention, right? When it initially established, and you know, you bring all the world leaders at that point in time together on the table to say, how can we make this a better place? How can we make? How can we ensure that our our our, our currencies are not being abused and you know the way that the, you know like gained the system as as we all mm. know it now. And then think about where we are now today, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is a complete, complete juxtaposition as to what the original intention was. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, Bretton Woods 1 had to be ended when Nixon decided to stop the pegging of US dollar to the gold, then shifted towards uh, a really, a really biased system from that point onwards for the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 odd years, essentially, which is on just purely based on the US dollars uh, on that note. And now we've, you know, with COVID and all that, uh, I mean, since since GFC, we've started seeing heaps of printing money. That's probably the first instance. Nowhere near the size of what we had throughout COVID, of course, in the last two years. Um, but um, yeah, like all, all, all indicators now saying that the Bretton Woods system that we currently have in place is now gone out of order. And that's why a new order need to be reset. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that balance needs to be sought, just like what Jazz was seeing. So I think it's just part of the natural cause, you know, when when something's gone horrendously wrong and someone's abused the system to the point, 
you know, th th there needs to be something that's done to it to, to restore the order. So, and that's where we are today. So, so the Brentwoods three itself, it's the Zoltan uh, Polzer, I think is his surname, um, came out with an article a couple of weeks ago talking about the Brentwood three systems. And I think it was such a perfect timing of the article just after the war started. Um, and the reason being is one of the biggest, oh, let's take, uh, sorry, I wanna take a step back. The US currency in circulation currently, about 80% of that money was printed in the last two years. Mm. And that is sitting- Staggering. So it's not in the US, by the way. Majority of it is actually uh, circulating around the world, Europe and all. And where that is, where the biggest chunk of that lies is somewhere within the petrodollar system. In the what's happened, so what's happened in the last two months since the war started is a couple of things. Uh, Russia got banned or sanctioned, basically, uh, using, using the SWIFT payment system, right? Um, and China have trialed, this we discussed in the podcast as well before, that China have trialed their new digital dollar system last year. In parallel to that, China is, uh, China have got their own payment system, and so is Russia, which they're working on currently, uh, jointly to figure out a way to basically settle the commodities that Russia makes, because Russia is the major producer of commodities in the world, uh, to settle those commodities in using the Yuan system. So, which means that US dollar is not going to be used in the petrodollar system anymore. It will actually be is the um, Chinese Yuan, if it happens to be, right? So, so, so that's one piece of the puzzle. The second is, to the Zoltan's article over here, what Zoltan is talking about is essentially that the Bretton Woods three system will now be backed by will not will now be backed by uh, other forms of uh, things such as commodities. Uh, so what Zoltan's talking about here is essentially any trade that happens around the world will be settled using commodities as a reserve. Right. So in the past it used to be gold, and now commodities will become uh, sort of the backing of the currency itself. So, so the commodities are such an important thing. So uh, this article that was a credit Swiss paper talks about um, there's so much debt in the world that we're in desperate need of collateral. And the collateral that's normally used is, is commodities. Now, he talks about two kinds, of, two kinds of money. He talks about inside money and outside money. Inside money is the money inside the club, right? It's it's the money where you're, you've got access to the system if you behave yourself. That's the system we have at the moment. It's a, it's a US dollar system. It's uh, controlled by institutions rather than being a natural sort of free market system. So at the moment, from Bretton Woods 2 onwards, we've had inside money according to this article. Um, and, and what, what he's saying is that we are going to move to, to outside money because what happened when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, they, got, they had their reserves, their, their US dollar reserves taken away from them. And, and by the way, I'm not saying any of this is bad, actually. I'm not, certainly not in favour of the war. We're just talking about economics here and, and systems. Um, 
and so they had their US dollar reserves taken off them and it made the world think if I don't want to be part of a system where my reserves can be taken away from me if I do something that other people don't like. Um, the, yes, the G7 sees the Russian FX reserves. This is a big deal. So um, this article is saying that we're moving to outside money, commodity money, and he's saying that because we need commodities to act as collateral to currency, we're in the middle of a commodity crisis. I think we've kind of been talking about this. We've certainly been talking about an energy crisis, but there's an, a, a commodity crisis. Now, um, in terms of the, the commodity crisis, he says that there are two kinds of commodities, commodities that Russia produces and commodities that Russia doesn't produce. And, and the example of this is if you buy oil from Russia at the moment, <clears throat> you'll pay $20 a barrel. If you buy non-Russian oil from Saudi Arabia, let's say, you'll pay $100 a barrel. And this is the difference between Russian commodities and non-Russian commod uh, non commodities. Now, Russia is one of the biggest commodity producers in the world, so we can't really block them out of the system. They produce all the stuff that, that we need. They, I mean, energy is the economy. So if they're producing all the energy for Europe, you can't block them out in the way that you can block out other countries. Um, and finally, he says that the way this is going to be resolved is by the People's Bank of China coming in to fill the gap between oil, uh, Russia selling its oil at $20 and the rest of the world selling their oil at $100. China's going to sell its US treasuries to buy the difference. And that's how this gets gets resolved. Uh, wow. And so this we're in the, on the cusp of a massive, a massive commodity crisis slash boom in order to um, replace the currencies that we've abused. So basically his key point is the neutral currency, that there's going to be some neutral currency. The neutral currency can be either in form of commodities over here, but which is the outside money, or yep. it could be is something like what gold was. There's a lot of talk about, uh, and this is pure rumor is, and he did mention towards the end of the article that if, after all this, uh, Bitcoin is still, if, if Bitcoin still exists, then it will hugely benefit from this whole situation, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, his, his, I, think, uh, I think his key point over here is the neutral currency. How can you come up with some form of a neutral currency that is, that actually has got a value, which means it's backed by something, whether mm -hmm. it's through commodities or whether it's through gold or whether it's through so-called digital gold, Bitcoin and all of, all of that stuff. So what's what, so so? It sounds like we're moving to a, a a bipolar world. Like this is how the world was prior to the fall of the the Berlin Wall. Really, you had two two different superpowers, and we've been in, in a unipolar world ever since. Really, um, uh, so so so. Let me start with this, guys. What what what? If we're in a commodity crisis with inside money and outside money, which commodities are we talking about? Let's start there. So that's interesting. It, when, when we say which commodities, um, that, this will vary depending upon uh, various factors. But the big ones that I will mention is obviously the precious metals, which is your gold silver, right? And then um, more of the consumption-based, which is oil uh, being right up there. And uh, then there's another force in parlor, which is... Uh, which is which we are all seeing, which is the uh, 
a world moving towards more sustainable energy, which is EV, right? Uh, and that's rare earths, but that's down the line, not at this very point. Uh, I think I think that is going to be a huge deal as well over the period of time. Uh, so they, I, I, I personally, I think those are the major commodities in terms of uh, impact on people's life in general. Uh, the consumption-based commodities, which is uh, your food items, uh, grain, wheat, and all that stuff, I think are going to see. Uh, exceptionally high prices over the period of time. We haven't seen oil yet topping to its 2008 highs or 2011 highs. Right? Uh, do, you agree, do you agree, David, uh, in terms of the, the commodities we we're talking about? It was interesting for Jazz to, to yeah. kind of roll soft commodities in. So now we're talking about wheat and stuff like that. That's in, I mean, that's in general. I mean, we're all seeing that in our daily food prices at the moment, right? So it certainly have an, have an impact. And as you said, I think before we jump on, uh, wheat and grain, that Russia has been one of, Russia and Ukraine has been one of the biggest exporters of those. And right now it's being sanctioned. So as you can imagine, those are only going to go higher and higher in the next few months. Uh, in, you know. But yeah, I'm actually curious in terms of commodity prices though. Um <clears throat> Like in the long run, like do you do you think that we will ever go back to pegging against the collateral, like a specific collateral, like what we did with uh, with with um, Bretton Wood one, like you know pegging it against back against gold or silver or whatever, choose one commodity, or I reckon this time, given the fact that we now got digital currencies as like Bitcoin and you know something that is less. I mean, I wouldn't say you can't manipulate it. You can still manipulate to a degree, right? If you've got a lot of money, you can still basically control to a certain level Bitcoin prices. Um, but, you know, do you reckon this round, it's, is it going to be pegging more towards digital currencies instead? I think it's 100% going to be a combination. And the reason being reason being is very simple. China's already, <coughs> China's already banned cryptocurrency. Mm. or the mining of the cryptocurrency, right? And the trading as well. Mm. In the future, they may open up, but right now it's bad. And partly one of the reasons you can possibly think of thinking out loud over here is uh, one, China likes the control. Two, uh, China is the main source of the rare earth metals. So if China was to play in its favor, part of the Brentwood reset would be is, yeah, we are moving towards the green energy, and for green energy, you need very specific rare earth metals uh, in, in the daily production of cars and all that stuff. Where will they get supplied from? China is the lead source for that. So short answer is to your question, if it is, it's going to be uh, a mixed basket of commodities, digital currency, um, and uh, other stuff. Maybe even soft commodities to some extent. Uh, but it won't be... Uh, 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 binary zero or one that it's going to be either oil or just gold or just silver, nothing like that. I think it's going to be uh, a very mixed bag, in my opinion. So it wouldn't be a universal standard in that case then, you know, like for example, Australia could peg themselves against a certain commodity whereas, you know, other countries, Canada, Russia, uh, Russia Swiss, they could peg something else, you know, is it, is it, is it more like going to be a a freestyle system to a yeah, degree. So I'll call it East versus West, essentially. Right. East versus West. Okay. Right. So East will have their own backing with mm. whether it's commodities or other forms of digital currency or central bank digital currencies, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And West will have its own format. Uh, keep in mind, uh, West is a very aging population, and East 
is clearly a winner in that space. Uh, just China and India. John, you're wavering on that one. Why is that? The I'm wavering on the demographics. Yeah, I think demographics are. Uh, uh, I mean, I think I think that the biggest demographic bomb, time bomb, is in China, but and Russia. Russia's got even worse demographics than, than China. I know what you mean, though. The demographics in the West are awful as well. Uh, but um, the only place on the planet where the, the demographics are healthy is Africa. You're forgetting India. Oh, yes. Sorry, you're right. Yes. yes, yes, <laughs> so yes, yes. East, East includes India. Mm. And India and China together is what? Three billion? What's world population? Eight billion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, look, I I think that the, the the next currency will be digital, but it, that doesn't mean it won't be linked to uh, gold. I mean, what they want is traceable currency. So everyone's going to have a digital currency. But um, I actually think that the East will probably go back to a gold standard earlier. I mean, there's a lot of power that the US has by having a flexible currency um, that we've talked about. It can print it, it can go to wars, it can do all that sort of stuff. Now, the East want all those things too. The, the, the East have just as corruptible and corrupted, but um, uh, they will move on to a gold standard to back up their currencies. And I know that about two weeks ago, Russia was talking about this. They bought a lot of gold. They've got a lot of gold reserves. They are talking about backing the ruble with gold. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens as a as a financial kind of war, warfare, you know, like a financial hit. Um, but they will also they will also go off the gold standard eventually if they go on it. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't trust the uh, the ruble or the yuan either. Um, but I agree with his East versus West concept, uh, Jazz. I agree with that. Um, and there are two parallel systems, You this inside system and the outside system. And I think that the East are now moving towards a commodity-backed uh, system, which is what Bretton Woods 3 is about. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so we've talked about which currencies uh, are involved. I wanted to ask you guys, um, how does so that this week the uh, US put interest rates up? Two days ago, they put interest rates up by 25 basis points, largely anticipated. So that wasn't necessarily a surprise, although the markets liked it, the markets rallied on it. Um, during the announcement, um, the, the Fed chairman Powell said that they're likely to do six increases this year, which surprised me, to be honest, um, which means virtually one every meeting. I wanted to ask. Um, start with you, Dave. What, what, what's um, how does how does the interest rate decision that the Fed is uh, the, the Fed is embarking on this kind of rate rise program? How does it tie into what we're talking about about um, about inside money, outside money, and how does it tie into things like uh, selling oil for yuan rather than US dollars? That's a difficult question, John. I think yeah. you put me on and the you spot. You can handball there, that to Jazz if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Love to handball it across. Um, so the so the so what the the interest rate the Fed interest rate rises and um, along with um, uh, how does that impact? Uh, let's tackle one at a time, John. I think so. The <clears throat> The inside and the outside system, as we all know, like the outside system is one that's um, that's got the collateral, right? So mm -hmm. at the moment, we're still US is still tied to the inside system. The main the main the main reason why they need to raise interest rate at the moment is to hedge against inflation. Pretty much, we all know that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but look, my view is that 
the US is always playing an inside system. They've been playing on the inside system for so long. And they play and to an extent where, you know, they print all that money, like 80% of money is printed in the last two years. Now the whole world is paying for their bill, essentially, to a, to a, to a certain degree. Are they really going to change their style in terms of, you know, doing anything different? Highly unlikely. But having said that, I mean, the, the Eastern system, like, the, you know, the, the West and the East, Eastern system is now going to play a different role moving forward. So the, the Fed facing their in, raising their interest rates may not necessarily actually have a, um, too much of an impact on the Eastern side of things because later on, hey, we're going to play our own role. We're now going to look at considering adopting potentially bread and wood free, essentially. So you do what you need to do. And we now have a different rule in terms of controlling our own financial systems to that level. That's the way I look at it. It's just going to be two very different or a few very different systems is moving forward, right? Um, and each of them, as long as you've got your uh, inflation under control, um, they're all going to play. They're all going to grow. They're going to play at a different speeds. So, uh, Good, good point about inflation. Yeah. Uh, Jazz, what, what, how, do you, how do you tie the interest rates in to, to this thesis? So first of all, interest rate rise, no surprise over there. We're not going to discuss that. It has been discussed many times, 0.25, said that, called that, happened. Over, right? How do you tie it back to inside system versus the outside system? So US is obviously the global power. It's a global reserve currency, right? Here's the thing. If there is ever, so if, if there's a trouble within the internal system, US system, and the outside system, current, uh, as in the current situation of Russia, Ukraine, who is US going to, what is US going to do being the global reserve currency and the global power? What do you think is US going to do um, first? Is it going to protect itself internally or is it going to go and protect <clears throat> the external system, which is the uh, control the situation in uh, other countries? Of course, it's always going to be internal. And that was very well proven right in 2008 when the subprime crisis happened and US looked at it internally and started expanding expanding their balance sheet from 0.8 of a trillion all the way to almost we very close to 10 trillion now not exactly but sitting mm -hmm. at almost 8.9 right um in terms of uh the interest rate itself again us is seeing currently is what it, what's happening currently in us it's the high inflation right so um they're trying to control the high inflation by raising interest rates a little bit which is 0.25 at the moment and then uh future rate rises What's that going to end up doing to the outside system? Let's talk about it for a second. Um, with this, the first thing that will happen is obviously the US currency is going to get stronger. As the US currency gets stronger, other currencies weaken, right? Uh, so obviously that has its own impact. You've got, if you're managing a currency, you've got two choices. You've either got it backed up by something tangible and physical, which is a commodity currency. So you don't need trust because it's backed by gold, right? So you've got a gold or a oil-based currency, or you have a trust-based currency, but trust-based currencies are, are fickle. So if you've got a trust-based currency, which is what the US dollar is at the moment, how do you attract capital? You attract capital by rewarding people for demanding your currency. And the way you do that is by giving them higher interest rates. So we say we, can, we, don't, we don't back our currency by gold or oil or anything tangible however if you come if you if you bring capital to the US we'll 
We'll have low taxes for you. Um, we'll have low regulation and you'll get an interest rate of say 6% and the, there's your return. So you've got to give people a reason to put capital into the US. And if it's not because it's backed by something tangible, it has to be high interest rates. And this is the great insight. This is why the, the Volcker-Reagan revolution of the 80s was so successful. Um, Reagan understood with the, with the backing of Volcker or maybe Volcker understood with the backing of Reagan uh, Volcker being the head of the, the Federal Reserve at the time, that if you have a, a currency backed by nothing, um, you need high interest rates because why else would capital flow into your current uh, your, your country and your currency? Um, I mean, don't forget Reagan. Reagan um, set up a commission to explore explore going back onto the gold standard. He was he was a very free market, free market Austrian thinking um, pro you know, Friedrich Hayek type uh, president. And so anyway, you need high interest rates if you're not going to have it backed by anything. And I think that's how it ties in. If 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 um, the US dollar isn't the currency of oil, because we know the Saudis and the Chinese are talking about accepting yuan, then why would there need to be demand for US dollars? Why would there need to be US dollar reserves? There doesn't, unless the interest rate, unless you get a good return on your US dollar capital. So you, why would you buy a treasury? Because you're getting say 5%. Okay, well, I want it now because I, you know, 5% is a good return. So yeah, uh, Jazz. So, so regardless of that, one thing that happened this week, which we haven't touched on, sort of ties back into this whole bread and wood reset mm. or the bread and wood three basically is the Saudis are exploring uh, ways to settle oil in yuan right big so deal that's that, a big deal and that thing sort of ties back to a lot of the things that you just said john which is high interest rate is a good way to bring capital and uh, still have a um uh, us as a reserve uh, still have us hold its reserve status mm-hmm. right but if 80% of the money that was in circulation happen, uh, happened to be in the last two years, right? And a lot of that is being used, majority of that is being used to settle things like petrodollar, right? But in parallel to that, we are seeing things like Saudi now exploring options to settle outside of the dollar system. Russia is one of the biggest oil producers. Saudi is one of the biggest oil producers, right? Uh, China is going to be the future of uh, the rare arts. If we are going to move away from the digital, sorry, if, if we are going to move away from settling the current system that we have outside of dollar, which is what's happening right now. And also that means the future system obviously won't be in dollars. It will be in something that, that whatever shape it takes place. That means all that money that was spent in the last two years, the 80% is going to fly back into US, which basically means is this could very well lead to a very, uh, uh, you, can, you can make a case of hyperinflation for US if something like that was to happen. Now, obviously it's not going to happen overnight because there's another theory that comes into play, which is the milkshake theory, which we discussed in the past, right? So there, there's, there, there's, there's, so many pieces of this puzzle uh, that um, it, it's it's impossible to come to a conclusion of you know what commodities is going to be the backing in the future or 
digital currency is going to be backing in the future, or gold is going to be partly part of that or fully part of that. Uh, but one thing is certain is what happened this week and what started two months ago with Russia-Ukraine situation has laid the foundation for the Bretton Woods 3. I think that is very clear. Saudi is pushing it further. Uh, once the war is over, most likely uh, Russia is not going to uh, settle in US dollars anymore. It's already been sanctioned. It can't do that, right? So which means they'll probably end up doing it in digital yuan or whatever it is. Yeah, dollar milkshake theory. I, I love that one. Now, the reason um, I actually don't think that dollar milkshake theory, dollar milkshake theory is that the US dollar sucks in all the capital of the world because it treats capital the best. Therefore, the US dollar is going to be the, the strongest currency. There's something to it because don't forget, even though the US is irresponsible with its currency, everyone else is slightly more irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't want to lend China money because they're, they're, they're being even worse with their, their currency, at least uh, for now. But um, so there are no, there are no good uh, solutions out there except for perhaps gold or the, or the commodities. Um, but but the, the reason I think that the US dollar is ultimately vulnerable is because it's exported its production. So the US has become a, a, an economy of consumption. So by having the global world reserve and by forcing others to essentially peg their currencies to the US dollar, it makes Vietnam and China and all these sorts of things like 51st and 52nd states of America, it makes them, uh, if they use US dollars, then they're no different to producing in Kentucky or, or Tennessee. If they're going to use US dollars, it makes no difference. The only difference is there's really, really, really cheap labor over there. So because because they've export because they've exported a dollar system and every every country out there is uh, a kind of a, a US dollar user like if 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 everyone used Australian dollars we could just go and produce in China at half the cost but we can't because we they, they don't use Aussie dollars but the US has exported all its production and they have become a nation of consumption uh, consumers this is why the the dollar milkshake theory is wrong and that they will um the us dollar is ultimately doomed i think because it, it, the the might of your economy is ultimately on how much you produce mm -hmm. and the production is elsewhere so look i, I want to i want to ask two more questions the the second question is going to be a, a a prediction question what's next but before we get to that i want to ask is there likely to be a russian currency a russian debt default in the next month or two a russian debt default so don't forget russia's debts in us dollars as well no one's going to give them us dollars to pay their debt off uh, glenn beck talked about this he said you know in the old days you'd have a russian um, uh, country russia owes uh, money to let's say europe or or the central or the the world bank or something like that now, they've got US dollar denominated debt in order to pay off the debt or pay the interest on the debt. They need to take these rubles, convert them to US dollars, and then pay the debt back. But what if you're not allowed to convert it to US dollars? Do you automatically default on the debt? And is this 1998 Russian debt default all over again just bigger and worse? Any, uh, you, you may not have a thought, a, a perspective on it, but if anyone's got a perspective on a Russian debt default, over to you guys. So here's the thing. How does it matter if there's a debt default? And the reason I say that is when foreign countries, which is particularly, let's talk US and Europe in this case, 
and UK when they have blocked Russia's reserved sitting in the foreign currency. If Russia ends up defaulting on the debt payments, it's kind of like you guys have blocked our reserves anyways. So if you're going, if you're going to block the reserves, we can't make payments. Yeah. Default. Yep. Sorry, we can't help. But does it matter to Russia in short term? Obviously, yes, there's going to be internal crisis. People internally are going to suffer and all that stuff. But long term, remember, Russia's nominal currency is ruble. Russia's real currency is commodities. Mm. They're going to hold on. Commodities aren't going anywhere. Unless you actually take over Russia, Russia is Russia. They are the biggest commodities producer. So we're saying commodities are hyper undervalued because no one's treating them like uh, like currencies anymore. No one's treating them like collateral behind currencies. Everyone's been ignoring currencies, valuing the US dollar, 10-year treasury, that's been the reserve. And it's like, hang on a minute, if uh, if I'm using US dollars as my collateral and now I'm going to get blocked out of the system, I would rather own commodities. So all the countries around the world are going to scramble for commodities. So pause there for a second. You just said something very, very important over here, which is what we were discussing so far. That is the bread and words three, right? Here's the perfect reason or the situation that you've created where the backing will be by commodities. Reason being is Russia will get, say, our ruble is backed by commodities or whatever digital ruble, whatever they come up with, right? Um, or, uh, or gold, right? Russia has been publishing their gold reserves over the last few years openly. Right, uh, it's being audited. So, do they care? No, you, know, you want, you want, you want. Majority of the energy supply in Europe is through Russia. Mm. If Russia cuts off the supply tomorrow, Europe cannot survive. They need time to build the new new pipelines or the new uh, processes. Right, uh, so they cannot. It it. Russia doesn't care because that land produces something valuable. And that valuable thing is commodity. And they are at war right now. When the cursed country that's producing the commodity is at, is at war, they will decide how they want to settle their commodities uh, when they're doing the exports. They may go, you know what, it's backed by gold. And uh, we need is gold in return of that. And obviously, gold is a, uh, a very liquid assets, an asset every country is happy to settle in gold. Yeah, fine. And gold gets revalued straight away to $10,000 or I don't know, whatever that figure is. Yeah, yeah. This I think it might be coming. Exactly right? what we just discussed. Yeah, I, I have a feeling this Ukraine conflict is actually going to drag on. I think the markets are only starting to figure that out now, that this is, it's my uh, dog barking, uh, that this is going uh, uh, to go for a long time and it's going to reshuffle the deck in terms of what's valuable and what's not valuable and what's inside and what's outside. But um, look, we're getting to time. I wanted to ask, actually, before I, before I ask a question, just a, just a, a, a footnote. The thing that's surprising me most about this, uh, this conflict is actually where India's aligning. India's actually been quite sympathetic to Russia. And I'm, I'm really surprised about that. Um, I'm surprised that they weren't more of a default ally to, to the U.S., I wonder, uh, Jazz, as a as a uh, Indian, if you had a perspective on that, I'm going to put myself on mute. Uh, I think India is doing the very right thing over there. Yeah, US hasn't been very particularly friendly to India in the past. 
when it was required, whether it's the, whether it was the India-Pakistan situation and all the other stuff, right? Uh, so I think India is playing a very smart over, card over there. And India is uh, uh, a big on gold in particular, right? Yeah, yeah. So, they're like, we don't want to get involved in all this sanction and war stuff. We have got our, we, we have got our own currency. India, in fact, uh, in the last couple of years, came up with bonds that are backed by gold. Mm. So India trying to settle um, with uh, Russia in India uh, in rupee ruble currency makes perfect sense. That's another way to um, get rid of US as a reserve currency. Interesting. Yeah. Really yeah. Way. This all, again goes back to Bretton Woods three, right? So what, what's happening here? Uh, China have got their payment system. Russia have got their payment system. India is working with Russia on, on, a, on a system, right? Commodities prices have shot up, uh, uh, skyrocketed. And when we say skyrocketed, they are not even at their previous all-time high. Derivative market in 2019 was sitting at, sorry, 2008 was sitting at 14 trillion. 14 trillion for commodities only. Currently in 2022, it's under four, under three, three, under three trillion. So at the peak, derivative markets for commodities was at 14 trillion in 2008. Balance sheet has been expanded 10x. Mm-hmm. We haven't even seen the previous all-time highs for commodities, and the derivative derivative market hasn't even started yet. And we don't have 10 times more commodities than we did in 2008. We might have double. I'm going to start to wrap up with a, a question about what's next, but I wanted to make one one sort of comment in the in the meantime, and I'm going to I want to bring it back to real estate, which is going to be a tenuous uh, a tenuous um, link. But there's a lot of speculation, particularly in Sydney and, and Melbourne, in particular, but also some other markets around Australia that the the market is topped, the market is going to crash, the market's coming down, and all I'd say is um, governments don't like property markets crashing but they don't mind when their currency goes down. In fact, it's it's baked into the system. So what what I look this is not a prediction or or a recommendation or anything like that, but my 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 suspicion is that one of the reasons that the um the RBA is going to hold back on raising interest rates while they let the US the US raise their rates is they want the um, Aussie dollar to get weaker because a weaker dollar is an alternative to lower house prices. So the, the value of house prices are going to come down, but they, they can either come down in real terms or in nominal terms. And they would rather they just came down in real terms, but they um, looks like the house prices are going to go going to keep going up. But what's actually happening is the Aussie dollar is getting weaker. So don't be surprised if, if house prices continue to go up. They won't go up like last year, but they might continue to go up and that's actually because this all plays into this, this grand thesis around currencies. The currencies are the shock absorber for falling asset prices. And I think that that might, that might be what's happening, Jess. So I won't talk about property, but the comment about currency itself, unless RBA comes and does a direct intervention into the currency market, there's a very likelihood that Aussie dollar is going to get much stronger over the next few years if our thesis and this Bretton Woods system was to involve commodities and if we are in the commodities super cycle. So mm. leave property aside completely, uh, but talking currency purely, I think uh, 
And I don't think RBI is going to do a direct intervention. I'll be surprised for currency purposes if RBI ended up doing a direct intervention. Uh, but uh, Australia being a commodities play, currency is going to shoot up much higher when the when the bulls are in full, full control. That is such a good... I can't believe I can't... It was a bit of a blind spot for me, of course. The RBA doesn't need to raise interest rates because there's going to be... A, a lot of money coming into the commodity currencies. So the, the Aussie dollar is going to get stronger anyway. It doesn't need higher interest rates. It's a commodity currency. So if we're saying that there's going to be a commodity boom and we're seeing $100 oil, we're seeing you, you know gold near its all-time highs, all that's money flocking into the Aussie dollar, which produces those things. Uh, not so much oil, but we produce commodities. So if commodities are going up, that's Australian dollar positive, they don't need higher interest rates to back the currency. Doing Zen. Uh, All right. Let's wrap there. this up. Let's wrap this up, boys. David, um, thoughts, final thoughts, comments, and, you know, we love a good prediction on this show. Um, <laughs> for currencies in, you know, the, let's say the next five to ten years and how it might play out to this um, third Bretton Woods. Probably the worst predictors out of all us three all the time, but anyway, <laughs> give it a shot. Um so yeah, Brendan Wood free. Everyone's going to peg to their own different system. East, West have their own style. But um, yeah, I do think it's going to be a mix of commodities and digital currencies. Um, essentially, uh, finding finding a balance. And to what percentage? I guess it depends on the country and depends on their risk appetite. Right? Some might some might decide to peg a bit more percentage towards a digital currency. Some might decide to peg a bit more towards commodity. Um, in in that regards, um, but yeah, that's that's my view. Guys, yeah. Um, to understand, if if you don't give a fuck about Bread and Words three, or you don't want to understand Bread and Words three, here are things to watch for, just to, from an investor's perspective, to play in the financial markets. What are they? Watch out for petrodollar. Are we going to keep transacting in dollars for oil or? Is it moving like it's moving currently with Saudi trying to work on with China and all that stuff? Look for look out for digital yuan. Uh, see what happens in that space. Do they back it up with something like gold or rare arts, whatever it is, right? Because that's the future. Keep an eye on central bank digital currencies that are coming out. Uh, keep an eye, close eye on precious, precious metals. Uh, if we start to see backing off oil with precious metals, the prices of the precious metals are going to start, start uh, will start to skyrocket. And obviously, some of the other commodities, which are the soft commodities and all that stuff, right? So, and the last and not the least is the SDR, which we haven't discussed on this podcast. Some other day, look at, well, look at that. Um, it's maybe once in three generations, you see something like this happening, right? So, and the, and we 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 the again we are the lucky or the unlucky ones uh, where we're seeing it panning right in front of our eyes. So watch the space. Uh, easier way is just to follow those few things that will try and lead you to the right path. I think. Yes, plate uh, tectonic plates are shifting. Um, David, go for it. No, no, John, I was going to say. Oh right. Um, I mean, when we th think about what's happening. Essentially, these are all responses to inflation, right? And inflation being the creation of currency. And I always want to bring us back to 
the lockdowns were a horrible, horrible mistake. <laughs> like this, the, the the lockdowns were were, were just the, the 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 biggest mistake I can I can conceive, and I still can't even believe we we locked down our societies. But this is how we pay for that, right? So the, whenever we, you know, you go to the petrol station and you know oil is or petrol is twenty two dollars a liter. Um, that's because we locked down. Like this is paying for that. That's because we had all these programs. So just just insane uh, in my view, and I'm, I'm glad that things are uh, returning to normality in, in those sorts of things. We sort of wake up like it is a bad dream. What I think is, so what I think that we have to start to deal with, you know, the, the kind of some of the broken systems that we created over the last two years. Um, I think that commodities are absolutely going to be the place to be. Um so watch the precious metals, watch oil. But I think that the stuff that's been woven through this conversation is I actually think that the next, I actually think we're in, a, in an energy crisis. Watch that. Um, I would also say that the next shortage is probably going to be, as, as sort of Jazz has been talking about, it's probably going to be food. It's going to be their soft commodity. So watch. I'm really nervous about that. I think it's, I think it's likely to, to be that there are shortages in the soft commodities and food. Um, what, what, a broad prediction, David. I think you're right. I think there's going to be sort of the east that goes to the towards the commodities, and I think the west sticks with its sort of uh, fiat system for now. But I think that that would have to look like a, a world with much higher interest rates. Otherwise, there's no faith in the system. Um, and finally, I would say that um, what watch the yuan Saudi conversations if if. Saudi Arabia agrees not to only accept US dollars. This dollar system could unwind earlier than we think. But that said, I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on the dollar hegemony ending just yet. I think that it's probably got a little bit further to run. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, the China-Taiwan thing is going to be important. If the US can't protect Taiwan, there's no point in having a dollar system. So uh, that would be the other thing to watch, but um, that's way above my pay grade. Guys, what an interesting chat. I mean, it was, it was you know, we went in and out of these really interesting topics. Um, and I think the three of us together were figuring stuff out. We like to do predictions on this show as well, but uh, th th that's all they are. They're just predictions. And I, as with all predictions, I'm sure 95% of them will be wrong. And even the ones that are right, the time frame will be wrong. So don't, don't, don't bank on any of those things. Um, but guys, uh, Thank you for listening. If you like what we do here, share it with your friends because, uh, you know, we're just figuring things out as we go. Uh, like, subscribe, share it. Uh, none of it's financial advice, of course. Mainly they're just, uh, just discussions. Um, uh, but uh, if you if you have any things you'd like us to cover, send us an email in the, uh, the notes below as well. That's uh, all from Jazz uh, and David and John. Uh, we will see you next time on the pod. Until next week, over and out.